amazing, talented, hilarious, yet super real, Sarah Adam Hafez. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thank you guys for having me. We are so in love with your journey. Rob and I are not on TikTok yet, <laughs> officially. Our, no, our daughter is scared of us getting our, on yes, TikTok. We've been forbidden, yes. but we laughed and enjoyed and loved your TikTok. And we're gonna dive into all of that in just a moment. But first of all, we are living the Authentic Life podcast. And we have to give a big shout out to Adam Andrus in Houston, Texas, our sound engineer, who keeps us sounding and looking clear and posting us on all of our platforms. And you're watching us on Facebook Live, but we're also on YouTube. That's your baby. We have a baby here too who's going to be barking later. That's part of uh, COVID is that we get to be with our children who are dogs at work every day. So don't worry about it. Um, but we love to interview weekly Mondays at one o'clock amazing, interesting people who talk about their journeys to, with commitment, collaboration to reach this place of authenticity and help us answer the question. How do we know it's real? And I'm so excited to have my partner in solving crime over here, Rob. Oh yes, I was so enthusiastic years ago when she was doing all this. It drove me crazy. I saw the look on your husband's face with a couple of your TikToks, and then I saw you brought him in on the TikToks, <laughs> and he's like into it and looked like he was almost enjoying himself. It's a, it's this a is his husband's journey too. So I love it when you were like covering his face and doing all that. So we're going to give you a proper introduction. Sarah was born and raised in Pakistan and moved to the U.S. to pursue higher education. She graduated from the University of Houston. See, there's our babies barking with a double major in hospitality management and philosophy. And I think to be in hospitality management. journey after after I moved to Houston well 
tell us about, I would love to go all the way back to Pakistan. Oh, I have okay. a good friend, as I was mentioning to you from Pakistan, and she talked about how um, young women are not educated there. And I found it fascinating that you had the opportunity to be educated and go so far with your education. And so many people take that for granted as Americans, that an education is offered to everyone for free. Maybe you could touch on that a bit. So I grew up in Karachi, Pakistan, which is a city of 22 million people. So it is a large city. We have all walks of life. Um, my family, I guess we grew up in a, in a little bit of a bubble. I would say we're probably the 2% of Pakistanis who, um, mm. you know, live a very privileged life. And I've always been very grateful for that. Uh, my dad had businesses, uh, like generational passed down. So it was, it was something that we always had the privilege of growing up in a country, but then also seeing the rest of the world, like a third world country, but then also being exposed to the rest of the world. So I uh, went to a British school my entire life. If you're familiar with the Pakistan and India history, you know that they used to be one country. And when uh, the British rule left the subcontinent, they divided India and Pakistan, but they also had like, in Pakistan, there were a lot of schools. So my school now is probably 170 years old. My high, like my, from like elementary to, um, you know, all the way graduating towards school. So, I mean, towards college. So I think that's the, the type of like history that I came from. And I grew up speaking English my entire life. I used it as my first language. Uh, obviously, like my grandmother couldn't speak English, so I would speak to her in Urdu, but we always um, spoke in English in school. We studied English in school, so it was never, you know, a, it was kind of like second nature to me because also living in Pakistan, just because of the history, because there's been such a strong British influence, English is a second language there. So it's, ve it's a very universal thing to learn. You know, all, a lot of our advertisements are in English and stuff like that. So that's how I kind of like grew up. And then when I lived in Pakistan, it was always known that I would graduate and go abroad to study. We have some really great schools. We have schools for lawyers, doctors, engineers, like people say the, the stereotype of like what your parents want you to do over there, like the really as they're considered but after that like I think every anything else that you want to do you kind of have to go and pursue higher education in the U.S. so all of my siblings before me went to college in the U.S. my brothers moved back to help my dad with his businesses but then I didn't I decided I would stay here so my graduating class for example to um I would say 99 percent of the people go abroad to study so I have friends in England and America and Canada, Australia, all over the world. Um, so yeah, so I came here, I studied hospitality management because I thought that is something that I wanted to do. I was always looking for a very dynamic career. Um, and I thought hospitality would do that for philosophy kind of happened on a whim. When I was in sophomore, I took some philosophy elective classes and I essentially just fell in love with it. At that point I was just 
Should I go to law school? I thought philosophy would be something good to do. So I actually finished my double major in five and a half years. I was a professional student. I just, you know, was studying full time, got it done. Um, and then I actually got back into the University of Houston to do my master's. And I had to go back to Pakistan to obtain my student visa again to renew it. And until then, I never had any issues getting visas to go anywhere. Um, so I thought, oh, yeah, it's just a piece of cake. I'm going to be back in three weeks. Everything's going to be great. And I go to Pakistan and I go to the U.S. Embassy to get my visa and they deny it. And my world just came crashing down. I thought, well, I don't know what I'm going to do because I had plans to go back to school and it's just not happening. I was very distraught. Um, and in those six months, that's when I decided I'm just going to go to Switzerland because then I started thinking, okay, so where are schools elsewhere that I can major in in hospitality? And I was like, Switzerland, I mean, it's like so well known for hospitality schools. So I went to Switzerland to do my MBA and I studied in a small, sorry, there you go. The babies. I know the babies. <laughs> they need to. They need to have their presence known. Yes. <laughs> Mine is the same way. Switzerland. Yeah. So in Switzerland, I studied um, my MBA in marketing. I I lived in a small little town in the Swiss Alps called Bluche, which is away like ten minutes away from a, a ski town called Cran Montana. Have you guys heard of it? I haven't. Okay, it's you just it's, we're skiers. We love that whole area over there. Yeah, you have to go visit. It's it's beautiful there. We lived in this tiny little bubble. It was just wonderful. Some of the best memories of my life. And then after I graduated, I came. The reason I moved back to the U.S. was because when I moved away from America and I wasn't able to come back, my boyfriend at the time, now husband, decided he couldn't live without me and proposed. And that is the reason I moved back. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have come back to the U.S. I think that's the only thing that was tying me at that point to come back was Rami. So that's the reason I moved back. Then I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to, you know, start working because I have my MBA and I have a hospitality degree. And when I started working, I realized very fast that corporate America is not for me. I always craved a work-life balance. And after a lot of months of contemplating, a lot of encouragement from Rami, I think he was the main driver behind my decision to just, you know, if I need to pursue something else, I should do it. So I said, I'm going to give myself one year. If I cannot make this work, I'll go back. And luckily... I did not go back. That is, uh, and I'm so happy with that because now, obviously, as an influencer, you are doing, I'm still practicing marketing, you know? Um, it's just the digital age of marketing. It's something that I still have been professional, formally trained in, but uh, it's, it's, again, it's like a very dynamic thing. You have to kind of keep up with the trends, like now TikTok. I mean, who knew that you can communicate your message to somebody in 15 seconds but here I am trying to hone that skill and yeah it just keeps me on my toes and I love it you say you have a, um, a work-life balance but being self-employed you work you're on 24 7 absolutely People don't realize that. 
Absolutely. No, I agree with that. That is something that I thought that I would have. But now I realize as an entrepreneur, you really don't. I mean, you work a lot, but it's nice because I can work myself to the point where I can have breaks if I need to. I can plan for them. I like not being able, not having to answer to anybody, I think, the most. <laughs> I'm on that same page. It's very difficult for people to tell me what to do except for my wife, and I've gotten very good at that. I accept that. He could improve, though, Sarah. We're always working for improvement on him listening to his wife. Exactly. Under my first six words. Yeah, for us women, we like to be the bosses, so I like to tell my husband what to do, too. <laughs> <laughs> but you are a world traveler. I mean, Rob is normally on a plane. Two, he's gone from Houston 200 days a year. So this COVID situation it's has crazy. changed our world so much. And you, I've seen your vlogs, and I read you've been to 41 or 43 different countries. 42. Uh, it's like my dream and like every every time I go to a country I like to have a little list I'm like okay I'm just adding one more to my list and is that is that the hardest part for you I struggle is it travel but I think the hardest part for us has been connection it's yeah. we have missed the connection and that's why we love travel is you can dive into a community and we don't like to just go to the tourist place. We like to be in the midst of what's happening in that community. And I mean, it's you know, so like going into a cafe in Paris, even though the French can be difficult. <laughs> but to sit there and have your cocktails, or even if you're just drinking two coffees, and your, your legs on their leg, and they're talking to you, and then everyone speaks English most of the world. But it's just a different perspective. It's so much fun, and we don't get to do that any longer. So, right. What are the places you were most surprised about? Where are the places still on your list? And when are you going to get to go there? Oh my goodness. Get, go, I don't know when this thing is over. There is no end in sight at the point at this point. So I don't know when I'll ever be able to travel again. Um, so some of my favorite places I've ever been to are the Maldives. I absolutely loved it. It's like a little piece of heaven on earth. By far, that stands out the most. Um, I go to Europe. I feel like I go to Europe every chance I get. So, And then also when I was in Switzerland, I traveled a lot. But I would love to go to Japan. That's on my list next. I've been dying to Japan and New Zealand, Bora Bora one day. Um, and then also some like Asian countries I'm thinking like probably Indonesia never been Bali would be something amazing to do but I'm slowly crossing that off and a safari oh okay that, that's good too I I work in Japan I've been traveling there for the last 15 years so I've probably been 35 times to Japan amazing and now I know who to ask of what to do yeah, it's the cleanest, most organized city you've ever been in your life. Wonderful, engaging people. And if you're in the big cities, they speak English. But if you get off the beaten path, they don't speak English at all. And they look at you and smile and take pictures because they just they don't see many, many round-eyed people because their country is an island. So they've been very um, sheltered forever until plane travel. But great place, great place. That's Grace Kelly saying hi to all. I love it. 
Yeah, I'm definitely going to take you up on your recommendations because I've I've heard it's some of the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful places to visit. And then also, I want to go during cherry blossom season so I can see the the trees. We have not done that yet, but yes, the idea of the photos. I am all about that journey. I know you would have some really beautiful photos there. Exactly. So um, let's talk about TikTok. Let's oh, sense that they have trending hashtags every day so you can go on their explore page and see what hashtags there are and then when you click on the hashtags they give you a little description of what the hashtag is about and then you kind of essentially think how am I going to incorporate this into my lifestyle to make it appealing to my audience but then also within that subject um, so I kind of just came up with it. I looked at a lot of videos to see what people were doing to draw inspiration. And I thought it would be something funny to do. My husband and I were laughing so hard when we were trying to make that video. I thought it was so funny. I was like, I have to post this. I would, I remember, I think we did two or three takes of me running with the banana bread. And there was a time where I fell really badly, but like holding the banana bread, but I fell on my elbows and knees. And even then, I couldn't stop laughing when I was making it. was just like a really fun thing. I think TikTok is very refreshing in the sense that there's nothing like this. There's no app like this. It's very fast moving. It's very dynamic. And you would be shocked to like, when you actually do a deep dive into TikTok, how creative people can be. Um, it's our 13-year-old daughter will watch TikTok for five or six hours a day, and her girlfriends will do it. And Janae's been on one TikTok with some girls at the office. And right. here today, we're going to start TikToking with you. Now we're going to start collaborating <laughs> with some TikToks. Oh, absolutely. So you, uh, but you've done some that have had, one of them had 597,000 views, and it was Cartier. And of course, we sell Cartier. We love Cartier. And it was as simple as you saying, there's a song, I guess, I want this, I got this. And you're yeah. growing into the And then it's all people looked at that. Let's call it 600,000. That is crazy. You came up with the idea. How did you know that anybody would care that you were doing that? Um. Yeah, so again, it's not, it wasn't an, an original idea. It's when you click on the sound, you'll see a lot of people doing it. So every okay. video that I make, every video that I make is all just, well, I'm just going to see how people are using this sound and how I can incorporate it into my brand and appeal to my audience. So I said, okay, well, I'm just going to do this because I like luxury things. I collect them. I think people like to see them too. My audience is very responsive to it. I keep getting requests of making handbag collection videos on YouTube too. So I thought this is something that people are interested in genuinely. So I made it. I did not think that it would be as popular as it was, but 
I mean, I, this is just like trial and error for me. I've just recently, and I just recently joined TikTok. I think it's only been four months. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now you're making me feel like a slacker. <laughs> no, TikTok is great. You should join it now because the algorithm is very favorable towards growth. I yeah. think that I would be great at it because my daughter would be so enthusiastic to help me do it. She's looking at us from <laughs> off in the background right now. You're sure yeah. Oh, no, I will never be able to go to school if my parents are TikToking. Oh, my God. And then you also talked about your Chanel handbag oh, collection. The double flap, caviar, great one. Yes, great. and then comparative analysis. And I forget because we're so entrenched in this and do it every day, but there is an interest in knowing when we have a first time buyer coming in, they say, if I'm gonna buy one bag, what would it be? And then you have to dive into their personality type. And I know you're good friends with Kiara. We've done some videos with her. Right. And she said, I mean, you could just even do a video today of how to pick out your first Chanel bag. I'm like, really? People wanna know that? That's so fascinating. But what I love is the way that you seem to build your collection was traveling to places. And yes, I have access to so much, but my personal collection oftentimes is when we go somewhere and that's, I bought my first Hermes belt in on our honeymoon. Ooh, I didn't know how expensive belts were. <laughs> I'm married five days and she goes, this is $385 for this Hermes belt with buckle. And now I'm looking back, we should have bought a hundred of them because they're 100 now. I mean, she, she knew how to make money back then. I mean, it's. It's like when she shops at Neiman's back when we used to have a Neiman that was open. And she goes, look, I got it on sale. I got it in circle points. I go, oh, you're making us money again. But uh, it is interesting. <laughs> All right, Danae, you're breaking a lot. You make their question your story is yours that you cultivated throughout the years. And I found that to be interesting and different too. Sorry, you were breaking up. Can you repeat that? I'm sorry, I didn't get any, uh, I didn't hear that. I'm referring, well, you did several on Chanel. There was one that you showed your favorite Chanel jewelry, and then there was another one that you showed all your Chanel bags. Yes. Diamonds Chanel, how did you pick that? As, and you love Dior too. Just tell us about your style. How do you choose when you have so many options how do you pick what you love so for me it's always about functionality and seeing what i what would go with majority of my wardrobe whenever i pick a bag for example i always imagine like what 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 kind of clothing i have in my wardrobe where i would wear it if i think it's something that i would make a lot of use out of i get it um I, majority of my bags, I think, are neutrals, and then I have a few pieces here and there, which I think are just art in, this, in a sense, so I really love collecting them. Um, but yeah, my husband laughs at me the same way. He's just like, okay, well, when is it ending? And I, I say never, because I love it so much. <laughs> it's about collecting, and at first when we were in COVID, um, and I know when other things have happened, like Harvey in Houston, you... Um, and I know how connected you are to community and people around the world. You feel a little bad about talking about luxury or talking about things when people aren't healthy or safe or they've lost their jobs. And I found in my journey that people look at fashion as a creative outlet. It's a way, it's an expression. 
and it is it is art it's a way of expressing art and people can even when they're home i know for me i wanted to dress up because i just wanted to feel good and look good and have that skip in my step that i missed by wearing my pajamas my day pajamas and switching to my night pajamas right. do you feel that hesitation too or but your brand is more I guess balance where you talk about home and you talk about beauty and you talk about so many different things. Right. So for me, I, I think I agree with you in the sense that just talking about these luxury things is, is it's kind of like an escapism, you know, like I feel like there's sometimes so much sadness in the world. I mean, when you're reading the news, you can find so many articles that will probably make you really sad or upset about what's going on in the world. So definitely my platform I try to use is more of an escapism where the audience can come and just be entertained and have lighthearted conversations so that, you know, sometimes you just need that in your life to just keep your mind straight. So that is something that I try to provide to my audience too. But then obviously I'm not shy to talk about things that really do matter. For example, I posted a lot about the Black Lives Movement. There's um, now the whole pay up movement that's happening. I think that's something that's really very important to bring awareness to. Uh, so yeah, I try to keep a balance, but I know with a lot of my audiences, I've, and I've taken several polls, a lot of them prefer for me to keep things light and not essentially just be a news resource because they're coming to me for that escape or that inspiration or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, I do also like to keep things light and, but also real in the sense that I'm very much an open book with my audience. If you know, what you see is what you get. I'm not always trying to wear makeup line or, you know, showing everybody just like the most glamorous parts. I think I try to show them very real life moments too. And I think just, that just kind of helps connect with the audience more. I remember when Chloe Tao said that she started doing videos and I was just, it took me like three weeks to do my first video and now we're videoing every day, but you're my hands and showing it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you did that. And she said, yes. And people love the vulnerability. And I see that. Whereas we used to try to do takes where we would cut out the bloopers. Yeah, I'm not the best days ago. I said, wouldn't it be great if your brother was born in the day? Excited about that. Uh, poor connection. I hope you heard that. That might be Janae doing it again. Did you exactly. hear Exactly. I'm cutting it out. Um, um, I think that people might. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of following you guys. It was breaking up a little bit, but I, I think I'm following you guys. Okay. Oh, what I, my comment was, I said, wouldn't it be great if we had... Jesus had a brother and he had a birthday in May, so we could have two Christmases. Can you imagine the fun of giving gifts and doing all that twice a year instead of once a year? And my wife goes, you probably shouldn't have said that. So that was for blooping it out again and with what? With the Wi-Fi. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> it's all good. No, I know what you mean. I mean, there's definitely, I think there's value to show, there's value in showing vulnerability because it really helps people see what you are truly like, what you stand behind, what type of person you are. There's definitely, I think that's the better way to deal with it because 
you know, I think it's important, especially nowadays for people and with you as well, when you're running your business, they want to know the ethics of the business, the type of the people who are running the business, what they stand behind, what they believe in. You know, the consumers now are very smart in the sense that they definitely want to know these things before they put their money behind something. So it's important to show that side of you and, you know, truly who you are and what you stand for. Because if somebody can relate to you, even in those areas, I think, you know, they're, they're more likely to, to support your business. And you have supported so many local businesses in your journey too. It's been so hard for so many businesses to keep going through all of that. Do you want to give a shout out to a few, are there restaurants or there beauty places? that you feel like have been there and are going through hard times. I'd love to give you that. Yeah, I would so. love that too. I think, um, so my nail place, Q Nails, I go to them all the time. They're amazing. Um, they've always done such a good, they always do the best job of that. And then also, I would say um, for restaurants, maybe... It's funny, I can't really think, well, think of one at the top of my mind because I haven't been to a rest for so long. But I guess El Tiempo, Tex-Mex is always the best. <laughs> yes, we are Tex-Mex fans as well. Well, another thread that we have seen with so many of our guests, and maybe because it's one of the most important things in our business for our growth has been collaboration and connection with other people. And the way I met you was through introduction. The way we built our business, Rob built his business, was by collaborating with other jewelers and partners and wholesalers. And I met you through this incredible, it gives me chills when I say it because I left my friend group. But you have the best friend group. I mean, Kiara, and then I think I met you also with Lan and Margaret. And you guys came to New York, and we were doing an event at the Webster, and that was when I first had met you that year. Just why don't you share some of that, uh, that, that benefit of having that group of women that are there to support you um yeah of course i'm happy to touch on that i think by far the most support supportive community of girls i've met have been in houston especially with blogging i think a lot of people notice this and say this it's not it's a very strong community where everybody supports everybody i think it's really nice to have that i have a very close group of friends and we always give each other business advice if there's anything because we're all in the same boat you know like everybody's trying to make it everybody has a small business we're all entrepreneurs so we really understand what it's like and the struggles of it which i think a lot of people don't really talk about but i mean having any kind of business including being an influencer is hard work especially if you want to succeed so it's nice to have that community and i'm so grateful for for all my friends in houston because i know that i can always turn to them if i need ever need advice and they've been the same i think we've all built each other up to the point where we are now i think a lot of us like got close to a hundred thousand followers more or less at the same time so it's been really nice to have that that friendship and connection and like everybody supporting each other. And now we're, uh, we are, we're all successful in our own rights. It is. And I, we interviewed last week, Mrs. Brittany Robinson, and she had such an incredible platform with helping victims of sex trafficking. And I really 
hear it in so much of what you're doing about um, equality and the Black Lives Matter. And I think that's an amazing opportunity that we can use our platform. I'm very connected to safety in schools with kids, and uh, which led me to be uh, connected to trafficking. And I feel like our community in Houston, that that's a thread uh, that goes beyond um, our city. And that we are looking <laughs> The dogs agree. I know. want to create the safest community we can. And um, I, um, I also find it fascinating that uh, there are other platforms that support it and like PR is involved with uh, Revolve and then uh, you are all, most of you girls are involved with Like to Know It and that's something we haven't been involved with. But that's a great opportunity too that you can have your own product but link to that. Maybe you can teach people kind of about the business side of that and how that works for you. In terms of how, like my how income like stream, to know it work, or when you tag to them, or when you work with them how, as a blogger, how does that mechanics work for you as a business entity? Okay, so yeah, affiliate marketing is definitely a big part of my business in the sense that um, so there are two ways, there are two primary ways where I was earning income before. Now I am diversifying my revenue stream. When I first started, I think Instagram paid collaborations from brands was one of them. And the other one was reward style, which is like to know it. So it's like, it's an affiliate marketing platform where, for example, if somebody likes this sweatshirt that I'm wearing and they want to know where I got it from, they can sign up on this app called like to know it. And if they go onto that app or they like my photo on Instagram, like to know it sends them an email directly to their inbox with all the information and then they can shop from those emails or they can do it within the app for my photos. And when they, when they shop something that I'm wearing from my links, I earn a small commission on those sales. Yeah. It's hard to eat if you don't make any money. Sorry. Yeah. It's hard to eat. Yeah, exactly. you, need, you need revenue. We need revenue. Yeah. You need revenue. So affiliate marketing has definitely been like a good medium to have, for example, now where, I think a lot of brands are cutting their marketing budgets. Affiliate marketing is coming to the rescue and it's keeping my business going, you know, because obviously through shopping, that is how I'm earning my money as well. Yeah, we've had to change up on our marketing strategies um, because of just the, the crazy world. Yeah, and absolutely. Limit who, can, limit who can come in the store, everyone has to wear a mask. Um, our online business has gotten a lot better. But people still like to come in, see a handbag, a watch, a diamond, look at it. They smell the handbag, stand in front of the mirror. They do the whole thing. I know a lot about handbags. Yeah, I know right. it doesn't look like it. But no, and that's that's the fun part of it. And um, we need to get back to more normalcy. But it's nice that you're able to do what you're doing and, and can um, uh, monetize it in a way that you don't have to go back to the St. Regis. I don't even know if it's open any longer. Yeah, I actually don't know either, but yeah, it's nice to, it's nice to have that for sure, because it's definitely, I call it like a passive uh, revenue stream. So even though I'm putting in the work, I'm still earning money from it. Even when I'm sleeping, if somebody makes a sale, I earn money from it. So it's definitely been a really helpful resource to have, especially in this time.
and we can see the passion in your videos of what you really like and you're not doing it just to make the money. The money is important, but it's, it's when you talked about your Chanel brooch, it was just so cute because you were like googly eyed and it's not the most, you said you paid $300. It's not like it was a $6,000 Chanel bag. You had the same passion for that as you did the other pieces. And I think that's what people see in you is that, that realness and what you're doing. And that's what we are connecting with. So how I can see how, do you have any tips of you've lived all over the world? You've met people from so many different cultures. Uh, how do you know it's real when you meet someone? How did you know it was real with your husband? How did you know he was the guy that was worth coming back to the United States? For? Oh my goodness. It's definitely a feeling. Um, my dad always taught me that money isn't everything. I think you really need to judge somebody based on their hard work, like their drive and and just like them and their heart really because that's all that's all about um and rami does not come from like rami is pretty much he comes from a middle class family but everything that he has he's built up himself and i think that is very respectable and commendable and that's something that i always loved about him his drive and his hard work and just the way he makes me feel i mean he makes me feel like a queen <laughs> So it's really nice to have that, um, you know, and his family is wonderful. They're all wonderful people. I think that has something to do with, with it too, because when you marry somebody, you're essentially marrying their family too. So if we didn't, if we didn't get along with that, I think that would be a problem. <laughs> oh yes. We know all about that. <laughs> yeah. So they, yeah, everybody, they're wonderful people. That's how I knew it was real with him. We um, have a poor connection again. I, I don't know if you're hearing us. I can hear but, you. Um, I can hear you now. Okay. Good. All right. Well, um, we have been posting on YouTube ourselves, and it's been an interesting journey to find out. At first, when we were doing it, we would make a comment, and then we'd stop, and then we'd make another comment, and we'd stop. And now we're doing it where we run all the way through, but I think the graphics are a big part of it too. So if companies are out there thinking about going onto YouTube, I've told them, I, we certainly haven't mastered it, but we dove into it. It's a whole nother category. It's, it's as though, like we look at our business, we buy, we sell, and then we have this Instagram, and then this a whole other in a website and YouTube. There are these categories that have to be fed. And so, how did did you find a partner to do this with? How did if a business wants to be on YouTube, how do they even go about it? Um. Well, like like you're saying, I understand the hard work that goes behind it. Especially video creation is no joke. Right now, I'm focusing mostly on TikTok and YouTube, so that's essentially all that I'm doing every single day. And I do have an assistant who works with me because there's, there's possibly like there's no way I'd be able to handle all of this on my own. So yeah, I do have been very grateful for her. But then again, I'm also like very much 
I think like this control issue with my business. So like, I need to make sure that whatever I'm putting out needs to be completely 100%. You know, it has to be something that I'm completely standing behind. So there, there's definitely not like a micromanaging type of level, but there's definitely something where I need to like look over everything before I'm posting it, especially because nowadays I think people really come after you if they don't like something and if god forbid i put it in somebody else's hands and they put it out there it's still my name behind it and that's one of the reasons why i haven't been able to do that very much i'm, I'm trying to do everything on my own in terms of getting into youtube i think it's just about being consistent that's the number one advice that i can give any business is even if you're making a video, even if you can start at one video a week, just do it. Don't think about it too much. Just plan it and get it done. Uh, YouTube is one of the largest search engines in the world. And if you're not using it to your advantage to increase your business, I think you're really doing yourself a disservice at this time, at least in this day and age, because I think gone are the days where, you know, the new Gen, the Gen X, or Gen Z does not want to read blogs. They want to watch TikTok. They want to watch videos. It's all about visual stimulation. And video is just, it just is where now digital marketing is heading and you have to kind of capitalize on that. So my biggest advice would be definitely get into YouTube, but also get into TikTok if you need to increase your business. And then I want to say the most consistent thread that I have heard from, we, I have 70 podcasts with my former podcast partner, Styling Social Justice, and you are our sixth podcast guest here. But when we ask successful people uh, in whatever realm how they get there, and that's what they say, just it's hard work. And we can call it luck, but it is just showing up every day over and over. And you named it consistency. And it's passion, it's believing in what you're saying. And I am that micromanager. We have Danette that works with us and I love and trust her. And I look at every single word that we put out on every yes. single place. And none of it is something. And there were a few stories that were even posted by our former intern that I was like, oh, I don't even know if this emoji you put on it is, is appropriate or what I would have done. And, but it's interesting because I feel like that's what comes through with almost every entrepreneur or person of success is that they own every step of the process. And that's why I jokingly said you were overnight success because I know that nothing happens overnight. And it nothing is less than here. Exactly. Yeah, Sorry, go ahead. Um, I was saying the luckiest people I know are the hardest workers because yeah. it just doesn't come for free. Yeah, no, absolutely. Nothing nothing having in this world comes for free or easily for the matter of the fact. You know, I think you have to work hard for everything that you really want in life. Well, we have so loved having you on and we're looking forward to collaborating with you in the future and your real approach to life and your incredible style. And uh, we... We'll say goodbye to everyone until we meet again on our podcast next week. And stay tuned. Go check us out on Instagram. Follow Sarah and follow us next week. And we will have a Chanel giveaway. And I'm going to do a challenge. You and your husband and my wife and I to do a joint TikTok. That was perfect.
let's do it. I'm so I'm I'm so down for that. Anytime. Fantastic. I look forward to it. Thank you so much for having me. This was so wonderful. We'll, we'll see you when we get back to Houston. Yes, absolutely. Let's do that TikTok. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. -bye.